0: The first evening started when Sam arrived at Walden after work. Sam had a dark complexion, jet black hair, and big brown eyes. He was on the chubby side and was enjoying civilian life after a stint in the armed forces either in the army or marines, I don't remember which. He was a busy guy working several part-time jobs, starting his own company, and also working on Nick's television project. I was in the downstairs recreation room setting up for the meeting of the minds when Sam and Nick started talking in the hallway. This guy, Nick said he thought I owned the park. It's hilarious. I have him wrapped around my finger. He doesn't know. Sam snickered at my ignorance. Let's get this started I have a feeling we are going to get a ton of stuff done tonight. Should I have thought any differently about the situation? I was given the impression that Nick was well to do, the house was his, the land around it was part of the property. Had I really read into things so wrong? I tried to brush the comments aside. I was stuck here. There was no option to go home. I had to write it out until my flight in 5 days. We went over the first draft script for the pilot episode. There wasn't a layout for the first season. Character profiles had not been written up. Other parts of the world we were creating had not been written out, just general descriptions that left a lot of interpretation. The only thing that had been thought out was the opening scene and even that we went back and forth on with constant changes in Nick, always a day later, deciding that what was set in stone was not good enough and we were starting over. This was a running problem with the show. We would have our starting point and then after hours of work the pilot would be scrapped and we were back at square one. The initial script, written by Nick, was rough. There was some good dialogue, the relationships between certain characters were being established and it looked like changes could be made with the rewriting of different scenes without changing some of the other aspects of the script. That first night went late, with an audio recorder documenting the whole thing. We decided how many episodes there should be, the length of each show, and knew there should be a grand finale leading up to season 2. Nick and Sam went to be and I prepared for the morning ahead. I woke up early, likely still feeling jet lag and my internal clock being 4 hours ahead. With my old job I would go to work at 7am and I was still on that clock. Nick and Sam slept while I jumped in the shower. For 5 minutes I adjusted the temperature and the water never turned hot. It was ice cold and I jumped in wanting to clean up for the first time since my flight. I scrubbed down and jumped out after a few minutes shivering and wanting to warm up as soon as possible. Upstairs I made coffee and drank half the pot while running around the recreation room with post-it notes naming episodes and looking over notes from the night before. I had a list of characters on the left-hand side and ran the episode titles across the top. The middle section was the events that would take place. There were details about the show that I had to ignore. Some of the characters had biblical names that nobody, especially a good Christian, would ever name their kid. It would be like a German naming their child Adolf after World War II or trying to wear a small mustache with greased over hair. The symbolism was fine but the names were not needed to portray it. Once I had the first season laid out, I sat down with my laptop and worked on the script. I rewrote the opening scene, something that had some confusing elements to it and played around with the interactions of certain characters. I added a love interest that I would later write a profile for. There were other things that I added and subtracted and for some reason there was this idea that was supposed to be overlooking all of it about something that happened a hundred years before. Tying everything together wasn't easy and in the end it never worked. When Nick woke up, it was almost noon, he woke in to find the season laid out, a script sent to his email and half a pot of coffee upstairs. He didn't say much and we left for breakfast at Gilbert's on Main Street. The morning routine consisted of Nick reading that day's newspaper, playing on his iPad and parking his car in a no-parking zone in front of the deli. It had been dropped off that morning and supposedly fixed. We ate outside on the patio and watched the six-figure cars drive by. This show works out, and it will, I have the utmost confidence that everyone will be interested in this, you will be driving one of those in a few years. When this is picked up, I'm going to make sure you are one of the writers. How does that sound? That sounds nice, I replied. I had already done my homework. I knew that when companies bought projects like this it was all or nothing. They would do with the script and characters as they please, they brought in their own writers, and in the end the person who created had little or no say in the project itself. I didn't tell Nick that I knew this. As we went to leave there was a puddle under the car and Nick spotted it right away. I crawled on my hands and knees and touched the oily liquid, the red-tinted smudge on my hands told me again what it was. Your transmission is leaking, I said seeing a look of fury on his face. That fucking cocksucker. He told me this was fixed. I'm going to ream that son of a bitch. I want this shit fixed today. People looked around as the flurry of words escaped his mouth. We hopped in the car and drove back to Walden to wait for the car to be picked up again. If there is anything you want to see, you can take the mountain bike. Nick was being the optimist, I think. We were miles away from anything, and Seattle was a ride over a bridge. I hung out at the house and worked on the project. I should have been working on my next book, but decided it was best to keep those projects completely separate. I worked on the character profiles, and we would have much to talk about that coming night. This was day two in Bellevue, and we were already ahead of schedule. Little did I know that everything would change in the near future. I roamed out in the woods by myself, traveling the trail and finding deer tracks and other signs of life in the middle of town. My phone had been sending me notifications all day about pushed likes on Tinder because I forgot to turn off the app while out of town. Apparently, I was a hot commodity on the West Coast. The only good thing about it was knowing that if things in Kalamazoo continued to go downhill, I had the option of starting over somewhere else where women actually wanted to meet me. This was a complete change of pace from the back and forth messaging with the sudden disappearance of the people I was talking to and never having a date from the app. Everyone had on their profiles that they weren't looking to hook up and that included me, but when it came to meeting people, they fled like they had gone into witness protection. Seattle appeared to be the exact opposite. While driving through town I never saw the hot Asian women that Sam had been talking about. Everyone looked the same. Thin, long straight hair with the same cut, t-shirts and jeans, it was like they were being mass-produced in a factory. If that was what Sam was into then he was in heaven. I saw this kind of thing every day in a college town and I had no interest in hearing about where to get the perfect latte, how long they have been a vegetarian, or what social justice groups they were a part of. Everyone dressed to impress, flashing their name brand clothes and having their hair styled every couple of days even if it was to make it appear messed up, but professionally messed up. Even the local Goodwill had outrageous prices for the simplest of things and people ran around trying not to be seen or noticed as they shopped and tried to find those rare name brand clothes with the tag still on. It wasn't about getting the deal it was about finding something for a fraction of the cost and still being able to say you bought it at the mall. If you are not rich, try to look rich. In other words, fake it until you make it. It was becoming obvious that that was Nick's philosophy. There were many things about him that I was led to believe were true. He was a successful businessman, and at one time that was true. He didn't own the house we were staying in, instead he managed the property for an investor from China who bought it for the rent money. The car, while it appeared to be a future classic, had the usual problems of any lemon. The world of Seattle was something that Nick and many others could hide in hustling their way along until they had that much sought-after break and could cash in for a little while until it was time to score again. Seattle was a city of junkies waiting for that next fix of cold hard cash. I hope that after leaving here I wouldn't have to go to rehab.